At this point, you should be on the frame with a film strip title that says Oral Hygiene. Welcome to Oral Hygiene. It's the podcast where we talk about caught films, educational films, a documentary here and there. I have to say a documentary here and there because we're looking at a documentary today. This is Matt here. Joining me is a uh, music man extraordinaire, Wazamato. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Pretty good. You, you've started like podcasting a little more on your own, haven't you? I have. Um, you know, I've got, had great inspiration. Oh, thanks. But uh, I, I, was, uh, I thought I'd have you up front tell people about that one until waiting for the end. So, You want me to do that now? or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Might as well. Well, just, just very briefly, I have a podcast called Buzz, Words, and Music. Um, I have everybody from musicians, filmmakers, composers, um, engineers, producers, a lot of music industry stuff. So for all you musos out there, great place to head for. <laughs> yeah. uh, this, of course, being a muso one today, the title of the film being The Beatles, uh, colon, Get Back. I found that out when I was doing my research. If you just type Get Back, you'll, you'll get the single. you got to ah. type The Beatles first to get the movie. So that is the official title. Okay. Um, made by Peter Jackson, or kind of made-ish assembled by peter jackson yeah more so because you know it's all lindsey hogg's film yeah <laughs> so it, i think he's even said oh it's kind of like the outtakes like it doesn't use much from the let it be film from 1971 there there are some aspects i and you know i've seen that i, I actually saw that in the theater that's how old i am <laughs> uh i think i was like 15 at the time and um yeah, it's uh, well. Yeah, I was fifteen, and the um, boy, it's two two totally different films and narratives. Weirdly, I haven't. I should have watched it, but yeah, that that's uh, being a relatively high level Beatles fanatic. I've never actually gotten around to reading, or excuse me, to watching Let It Be. I've read because like eighty they books. It. They pulled oh, yeah. it years ago. It's got to be available somewhere now, though. <laughs> it's it's tough. Okay, I don't feel for that while, bad about. For a while, it was on YouTube, but it played sideways. So, ah. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, they they went out of their way to make sure that just didn't get shown because it was it was you know it was pretty sad because I mean I remember walking out of the theater going, you know, just watch the anatomy of a breakup. Yeah, which I, you still kind of see here, but like I guess in less broad strokes, there's a lot more detail and such, right? But yeah. um, what would be your your TV guide summary of this one? Uh, I I thought he did a great. I thought Jackson did a great job of putting things together. He made it look wonderful. It looks like it could have been filmed yesterday. Uh, yeah, no yeah, the technique. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because um, I I know that he had just uh, made. I think it's when they were young using World War One footage that he had given some treatment to, and this one gets the same right. one, and it's, that's beyond my technical knowledge. I just know he had a process for that that he also used for this. Yeah, there you can kind of, when he has, like, some extreme close-ups, you can kind of see where, you know, some things were manipulated. But, you know, I don't think too many people are paying attention to those type of details. Yeah. Of course, being Peter Jackson, it's got to be a... a eight-hour affair oh, yeah. <laughs> i it's weird i've never actually made it all my all the way through lord of the rings but yeah i got Either through this one <laughs> yeah i got through this one fine so you know it's just whereas a big lord of the rings fan would get totally bored by this so <laughs> yeah well you know at least this one had more music <laughs> Well, right, right, if that's what you're looking for. I, I Well, you got to see the rooftop uh, IMAX. I at least have my totem here while I was watching it. Ah. <laughs> I, yeah. 
a, yeah, nine years ago, I want a hollow body guitar. So it just happened that the uh, Lennon copy was super cheap at the time for some reason. Huh. So that's one I got. So yeah, it's it's just yeah. funny watching it because um, my mine is so much more aged looking than his is in the film. Because <laughs> I remember mine looking like that when I first got it, looking the you know a little more like looking like plywood to be perfectly honest. Now that's aged, yeah. it kind of looks better, but. <laughs> Well, his only got taken out of the case when they had to do a record. <laughs> exactly, and uh, he'd had and, the paint stripped off a couple of years earlier. So, yeah. So you know, um, yeah, it was just interesting. the the whole The whole thing was interesting to see how they worked, and you know, just kind of watch everything. And uh, I, I guess we'll just throw some observations on the film first, and then if you want to get a little okay. more into the deals, are fine. But um. Usually I take notes for these. I didn't do that for this because, well, it's an eight-hour film and I wasn't going to watch all eight hours again. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but, you know, I'm like, I, I think I can probably get get by, get back talking about the Beatles. So, <laughs> um, some things which I, I'm sure also you probably noticed, the, um, the waiting, as you're waiting for people to show up to your band practice, oh, that yeah. eternal limbo. It's been a while since I've done that, so just seeing it in that way was pretty amusing. <laughs> yeah, it's just that we're we're not used to waiting on someone because they they were up all night doing heroin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Then you might get those... be a, a little different reason, but uh you know, most of the band dynamics that anyone anyone who's played in a band that's lasted for more than a year can probably relate to almost everything going on. Yeah, definitely. Um, and you get that totally you know, bizarre tree of McCartney, Lennon, and Yoko Ono. So, which would probably probably okay. That one didn't make it to tape. <laughs> I, w I was actually kind of amused that in that one there was one scene where where Paul was talking about Yoko being there, and he's like. Yeah, can you imagine 50 years from now somebody saying she broke up the band because she sat on my amp? And it's like, <laughs> that's exactly what people were saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just um, recently, uh, I was at the family house and sometimes I break out the DVDs there. And I, I put on the Freaks and Geeks episode where they, they start the band, you know, where they uh -huh. <laughs> instantly start getting to the, she's your girlfriend's being Yoko because she uh -huh. wants you to practice. Yeah. In that case, because she wants you to actually practice. Well, we're going to play the song again. <laughs> <laughs> also, well, in the teenage band, that's certainly a uh, recurring theme and probably oh, some yeah. other ones too. But yeah. <laughs> You know, I play in orchestras where sometimes we spend like an hour on like, you know, five measures. That can get boring. <laughs> well, just like bringing, you know, as a producer, bringing someone to the studio like during a mix. Um, you got, you, you're only you're only on 15 seconds over and over and over, and over again. It's like, yeah, <laughs> welcome to the studio. You wanted to come. I warned you. <laughs> yeah, I. I not so much now, but in the past, people would, you know, like especially like girlfriends. Oh, I want to see what you're doing when you're when you record. It's like, no, you right. don't. <laughs> yeah, they you're have gonna, no idea. You're gonna sit me, watch me silently noodling on a guitar with headphones on for an hour mm -hmm. doing the same ten notes. <laughs> exactly. So, um, which you know, we get some of that here. I mean, how many versions of uh, "Don't Let Me Down" do we get? <laughs> oh, I mean, you basically get the same five songs. Um, repeatedly yeah with you with know, little clips, with a few you know, things in thrown first. in sure you know i i i really like the uh excuse me the segment where paul just pulls get back out of thin air oh know, yeah and, definitely. We and we actually witnessed that that's that was pretty cool with the original intention of the song being what like a a, a protest song a protest song yeah for the immigration that was going on in Britain at the time. Right, which doesn't even slightly make it to the final version, I guess. No. <laughs> at least not in a way anybody would. I mean, there's a few snippets of lyrics that remain, but they're all out of context now, so. Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't know. But yeah, yeah, definitely the songwriting aspect was fascinating. Was it Get Back or is it another one where he's literally like having a conversation and writing the song at the same time? <laughs> there, there was one where I think... Um, 
Peter Jackson and Ringo were having, or not Peter Jackson, uh, Michael he Lindsay Wog. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Ringo were talking while McCartney's sitting there writing Let It Be. And then, that's, you know, that's what, and what Ringo turns to, to to Lindsay Hogg and goes, uh, I could listen to him for hours. <laughs> <laughs> I have found, um, I guess you're more of a instrumentalist, but for lyric writing, I definitely never really, like, I don't write that many lyrics now, to be honest. I usually just have other people write my lyrics. One, just because for me, it makes the music writing more interesting. <laughs> Mm-hmm. but yeah i'd usually have like one line that i i usually keep to the end and then work everything else around that i definitely i never stumble into that like lewis carroll you know glippity gloppity gloop beginnings of lyrics which i, I it's fun with the beatles you know I'm, I'm sure lennon did that a lot too yeah i mean i've written uh, a lot of songs with lyrics in my earlier days but not in the last 20 years 25 years so as someone who also dropped off from writing lyrics, why do you think that is? <laughs> um, the, the music I was doing didn't really um, play to it well. Okay. You know, it's it's kind of it's hard, to, especially, you know, with different intervallic jumps and things. They're not, they're not necessarily always singable, but they're, they sound good playable. Okay. Yeah, I guess for me, it's like, since I basically work in a bubble, that's my way to feel like I'm collaborating. <laughs> so the people well, I've had writing lyrics aren't even musicians at all. So, <laughs> Well, um, enter Bernie Taupin. <laughs> that's actually the guy that I've been writing music with recently is like, that, that's what he wants to be, right? He's like, oh, I'll be the Bernie Taupin of this arrangement. Yeah. Yeah. And at the time when I did, when I was writing lyrics, I was in a r&b group and we were you know like trying to be the next earth when in fire or something so um you know the music everything took a different different turn than it did once i realized that i wasn't going to be the next earth when in fire so that made me think of i don't know if you've seen this that's a um key and peel sketch with the 70s funk band and just completely surreal lyrics oh <laughs> like it's just you know like a parody of the whole like funkadelic right. lyrics just times 10 so but, yeah if i think of earth wind and fire or something like that i suddenly hear like that stuff going through my head <laughs> yeah. I, I can't even repeat it now because it, you know, that was the genius it was like it has to be like 10 times past absurd what we actually got <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of fun but yeah the songwriting lens is is definitely interesting um i didn't know that harrison leaving was not in the let it be cut, which it is here. I guess that's one of the main features, you know, with well, Yoko it's, sitting it's, on the amp. <laughs> it's in the original movie, but it's totally out of context. Mm. They in the original movie, you're seeing them rehearse. Uh, I think I've got a feeling, and there's that part when it goes to the you know the little guitar yeah, break, yeah. and uh, he cut the film. The original director, Hogg, cut the film so that it looked like George was like, "Look, I, you know, I'll play what you want, or I won't play at all." And then the next scene, you don't see George. But there's yeah. no explanation um, about him coming back or anything. It's just one minute he's there, one minute he's not, the next minute he is. Okay, yeah, because you know I'd heard the story like I'll play what you want before, and then watch it. Right the documentary now it's it's just you know that's different play so it is just yeah. like you goes on my amp okay guys i'm leaving bye it's like what right huh? <laughs> which see you in the clubs yeah i mean even for people that used to being filmed all the time i guess you know that's quite a pressure cooker to stick yourself in a tv studio with a bunch of cameras around you well peter jackson said work. they were they were very clever in that when they wanted to talk about stuff they somebody would be noodling on their instrument so that they couldn't uh, really hear it, but he had the technology to pull all the noodling out, and that's why we're able to hear so much of the dialogue. Ah, okay, because I know they got the occasional subtitles, but and we probably need them because I'm like, well, it seems like I oh yeah, I watched it with subtitles just because of the um, the accents. 
Yeah, well, some of them are like burned in, right? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I guess I'm used to hearing a variety of accents at this point, so I can get around that for the most part. Um, I still find like if if you throw on like a, a UK like stand up comedy comic though, like stand up comedy seems to be the um, the densest um, hurdle for translation because even you know you get a nice thick accent, Americans can't understand it, right? So. <laughs> it it depends on where they're from. Like it, I, I noticed, like when I would tour, and our driver in Europe would be from Manchester. It would take a few hours to start catching the rhythm of his accent. Yeah, Maybe. you know it's it's very different from, and you know just like Liverpool has a different accent, and London has several. Right. Yeah, there's a clip I saw once. Um, it's from Doctor Strangelove, and it's oh, uh, Peter yeah. Sellers behind the, yeah. the scenes, and he's um, t- telling the interviewer like, they're "Like, oh, you do like three accents in this movie." He's like, "I can do them all." He, he starts in London and <laughs> moves around the entire island, changing his accent <laughs> <laughs> because that was one of his main gifts. <laughs> that scene with him in the movie was pretty awkward. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Because, I mean, they were actually pretty tight with him. <laughs> well, they, they were huge fans of him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's the seller tape where they, they, I mean, seller's tape where I think they recorded like some demos. No, they recorded demos for him, I think. I guess it wasn't like at his place or anything. But <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, that was just, that was just weird. <laughs> yeah. I, I, maybe he was tripping <laughs> 1969 well, seems reasonable well, <laughs> i'm sure George, uh, john was on something when yeah, he started yeah. it all oh yeah yeah he's uh, got the crazy eyes there a lot of this um but there a lot yeah. of this film <laughs> you know those still reasonably i mean he's reasonably coherent you know i mean you oh, got yeah. someone like sid barrett that just stopped making sense completely right <laughs> So. Yeah, no, I think when it came down to the music, um, he he was very present. Yeah, I mean, they just had, what, tea and cigarettes in the studio, so. Uh, you know, I remember those days, but just seeing it, I was like, first of all, I've been in that studio, and it's not very large. And you've got at least eight people in there, all of them smoking. I mean, there wasn't a fr- there wasn't a footage, a frame of footage that didn't have a cigarette burning. There's a disclaimer. Disney was like, "You have to put a disclaimer that they're smoking uh, in this." <laughs> they wanted to take out the cursing. Yeah, that was that would have been. And, oh yeah, they the Beatles weren't going to allow that. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I'm glad they didn't take the step of digitally erasing all the cigarettes or something. That would have been ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, Ringo had his little table with his cheese sandwiches and his tea and his ashtray. <laughs> right, right. So um, I, I guess the this builds up. This does have a nice narrative flow where it builds up to the rooftop, of course. Um, right. You say you just caught the, the IMAX one. Yeah, they showed it sun, uh, this past Sunday. Uh, 68 theaters around the world simultaneously had a uh, Peter Jackson Q&A up front uh, for about 30 40 minutes and then they ran the uh, you remember the opening segment to the whole movie where they try to kind of trace their history from the 50s right. they they did that which I was surprised that took like 15 20 minutes <laughs> and then then the next thing you see them coming up on the roof Oh, they go straight to it then. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Which, but the so. whole thing was mixed in Atmos. Um, so it sounds incredible. And it was much, um, and Peter Jackson says this up front in the film, is that it's much louder than you actually thought it was. <laughs> because when they would pick, cut away to the street scenes, they would always bring the volume down. But they didn't do that this time. So you actually heard the the noise or the noise, the music as it was in the streets. So you could see why there were so many complaints to the poor police officer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a total Keystone cop sort of routine uh, yeah. going on in the subtext there. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, everybody was giving him the runaround. Yeah, well, and, that was their job. <laughs> right, and then then finally they go, no, they're not, in, they're not in the studio, they're on the roof. And he's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, um, I, I think I read this in a, a book or something, Not, I don't think it was in the movie, but uh, McCartney was pretty much convinced that they were going to be hauled off by doing that. <laughs> he was hoping. Yeah, hoping, yeah. <laughs> he, he thought that would have been a great end, end to things. Probably would have. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> Uh, just Beatles finishing, arrested, I guess, never, is fine too. They break up. They were arrested. Yeah, because it's like, like, like you said, it's like five. They had five songs ready, so forty-two minutes really was enough. Especially since what Get Back gets three or four separate takes, and I got a feeling two, two full takes in the um, sound check. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like, wh- what were they going to do after that? It looked like they were actually finishing pretty much before the cops even showed up on the roof, at least. <laughs> Yeah, they may have gone, you know, done another take of 909 or something, but, um, you know, they, I mean, they actually did pretty well, um, all things considering. Two or three of those ended up on the LP, I think? They actually, in the movie, he he states three, but but only two actually made it. They had to uh, use another take for, I think I got a feeling. Oh, okay. But yeah, I mean, they again the performances are consistent because sometimes yeah. I'm like, oh, this is it. Oh wait, no, it's this isn't the final one because something just went a little bit awry, not awry, but just different, right? <laughs> yeah, just um, um, yeah. I don't think anything like fell apart. I guess I, I can I, watching this, you can definitely see where McCartney in particular was so pissed off a year later hearing the uh, Spectre version. I, I, you know, I, there was a quote that George Martin gave years ago because he was like, you know, I always felt my name should have been on the record produced by George Martin, overproduced by <laughs> Phil Spector. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I mean, that's so British of him. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I think the biggest flaw was just don't let me down being a single and not being on the album that i think that would have that yeah that just kind of belonged yeah there, so. i there's actually one of my favorite songs on that uh in that whole series i always forget it's not on the album you know yeah <laughs> i th- they made it a b-side though didn't they i think it was the a-side i think the b-side was um old brown shoe or something Actually, oh, no, my iPad's a little too far away. But I got the I got yeah. the singles compilation. Wait a minute, what am I talking about? I got the hold the uh, the physical box right here. I can check. <laughs> huh. Let's see. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was not I was not impressed with George very much. Uh, he he had a couple of nice insights, like when he suggested they all do solo albums and then come back and just be Beatles. His style. Like, almost uh, the White Album. Okay, sorry, Get Back's the A side, Don't Let Me Down is the B side. But I, I think oh, okay. that's one of the ones that counts as a double A side. Maybe. It's, yeah. it's hard to say. Although, to you, say, know, you know, they had so many good songs. Yeah, I was about to say, Rain is one of my favorite Beatles songs. Oh, but that's that's that, very that much a B side. That's very yeah. much a B side. I mean, the I never got. Rider. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're. And then that one is like, oh, the, they didn't get the harmonies where I'm like, yeah, but they sound good that way. It's like if they got them right, it might not sound as good. What, on Rain? No, no, on Paperback Writer. Oh, I, th- I thought that was great. If you really want to hear them get the harmonies wrong, watch them try and play it at the uh, Budokan footage, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which I also enjoy, but yeah, they definitely could not do that yeah. live. <laughs> no, you can't, you can't get those same amount of stacks. <laughs> So how do you feel about this period? Because this is the one little period of uh, the Beatles where maybe some people are like they were not at their best. Um, that was the whole point of Abbey Road. Like, oh, we just screwed up, right? Let's do it correct one more time before we call it a day. Well, I, no, I don't think that was the case on that. I think they, you know, I think they were planning on doing another one. I think it was George Martin that said, you know, let's let's do it proper um because in, in interviews with him after let it be the narrative goes back really to the original cut of the movie because he was like it was just take after take after take because 
Lennon was insistent that they don't even punch in a mistake. Mm-hmm. So every so he says, you know, there's there's probably I think he said there was like 90 takes of Let It Be because <laughs> maybe he didn't end the bass note the right way and uh, or you know McCartney hit a well even on the um, single version of Let It Be you can hear the clam McCartney hits the wrong chord. Right, right, right. And, yeah, I have have caught on that. Sorry, I was thinking of Hey Jude where you hear Lennon screaming oh, yeah. Sandy's in the background. <laughs> um, yeah, it is weird to me that, especially seeing how much George Martin was present for this. And it's like, but Glenn John is the producer, but Glenn John was never the, what's happening here? I guess yeah, that's the lawyers. Yeah, I couldn't figure that out either because technically George Martin was the producer. Glenn John's was kind of, the co-producer tape op (laughs) yeah (laughs) but you know he he did uh he came up with the intro and outro for let it be for uh for mccartney yeah yeah so So you know he added he added something (laughs) well i guess also in the the beatles personal life at this point nobody was quite in charge (laughs) yes and that you know that's probably the biggest thing is you know, because you can watch the film and you'll say, well, McCartney comes off extremely bossy. And he does. But in his defense, who That's else was going to do music it? how you get music made. <laughs> yeah, well, who else was going to do it? Right, right. Because even Ringo said if it wasn't for Paul, we would have never done any albums after Mr. Epstein passed. Right. <laughs> uh, I, I got two opposing views recently one of them we talked to in my other podcast we um we talked to dan richter who was helped out with or assisted Lennon like shortly after this period like abbey road and for about three years after that he started off as yoko and his friend right so when we were talking to him he's very positive and i just read a book uh, by tony bramwell who's you know one of the boys from liverpool who right he doesn't outright like insult her, but you can tell that he was is not cool with her. <laughs> hmm. So just seeing those two opposing views, I mean, I guess you got to put yourself in 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 the place. Uh, for me, you know, I guess living in Japan, I'm a little more like, well, I know how people like this operate, right? So, <laughs> well, Whereas, I I had breakfast breakfast with her three mornings in a row when we were in um, staying in Tokyo once, and, right. Uh, she seemed, you know, she seemed very nice. Yeah, I mean, it's like you visit a house in Japan, and it might seem overly formal, maybe a little too cold. And she's what? She's from like a high echelon family too. So yeah, <laughs> there's probably a lot of, um, you know, I, of course she was avant garde artist and was rebelling against that to a certain point. But you know, the way you grew up is never quite get out of your system sometimes. Oh, of course not. <laughs> so, but um. Yeah, it was just it was interesting after talking to Dan Richter and you know mm. like who who really likes her quite well, right? <laughs> One of his favorite people. And then reading Tony Bramwell's book is oh, kind of interesting to get the the other perspective here because he is yeah. one of the people who's like, oh, she took John from us, you know, overnight. He like became a different person, which uh, does, I mean yeah. that happens with a lot of especially when when you're in your twenties and your friend yeah. you know has the new I girlfriend mean, that's, and, and that's <laughs> the thing that's hard to even fathom in this whole movie is none of them are even 30. you yeah. know they're tw- 20 20 george is what 25 and paul's 26 or 27 and lennon and ringo are 28. <laughs> and they never have to do a thing for themselves it's like can you send somebody over to show me some boots uh, I'd like to get one of those those little fluffy ties, <laughs> purple, please. Well, they couldn't get out anymore. <laughs> they get mobbed if they walked out the door. <laughs> I guess. Um, but yeah, yeah, it is. You know, like these people, they didn't handle money. You know. <laughs> no. Um, that was one thing reading the Bramwell book. Like even for oh. the Apple staff, it's just you just sign. You know, it will get paid later. Right. So even down to you know someone like Mal Evans, uh, you know they they didn't necessarily carry money because their money you know they signed and all went back to Apple because yeah. Apple was hemorrhaging money. Um, I mean that would that's the whole thing with the yeah. Apple boutique and um, what, right. what else is there? Apple Electronics is like, well, you can give this money to the government or you can just like find a way to spend it. <laughs> <laughs> 
So they're like, okay, well, let's blow it. Because now it's like, oh, they, Epstein was gone there being super irresponsible, but it actually was kind of like a tax haven for the money. Yeah, uh, the um, Apple Electronics with uh, Magic Alex, though. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was definitely fun seeing the clips in here of Magic Alice. Alice, Alex, you know, and uh, Alex, yeah, having his his ultimate failure. <laughs> oh, the the um, the the bass and the guitar thing, the prototype that he brought in. Oh, that was ridiculous, yeah. And then when they come <laughs> in and just find that he's made an unusable studio with speakers oh, yeah. hanging everywhere, it's like, <laughs> yeah, magic, dude. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, I can magically make your money disappear. But when you're, yeah, when it's 1967 and you're on acid all the time, and someone brings you a box full of colored lights, I can see where you, oh, you yeah. know, get enraptured I, a bit by that. Absolutely. <laughs> um, since, since you're a piano man, we got to talk Billy Preston, who yeah, definitely saved yeah. the day. Yeah. And uh, it's rare, rare you see people playing that look like they're having that much fun. <laughs> yeah. I, I, the, my, the first thing that I found amusing was when. When John said, "Yeah, if you'd like to take the spot, you know, maybe we can get get you some tapes," and George is like, "I don't think he needs tapes." <laughs> you know, it wasn't like you know they were doing anything that was that involved, but his his parts. I mean, I can't even imagine what "Don't Let Me Down" would be without him. Yeah, well, you can because you heard it twicking him. <laughs> well, yeah. Well. <laughs> Well, and see, but that's also the thing is that you hear, like when when I was watching it here, uh, I watched it and a bunch of friends came over because I bought Disney for the month. And um, they were like, you know, when they were doing the two of us and they were, they did it with gritted teeth once and they did teeth. it in all these different accents. But what, and they were like, why are they wasting time doing this? But what they weren't seeing was that each time that harmony was getting tighter, the music was starting to come together more. You know, it's just a way to practice the same song a million times differently. Yeah. And, um, you know, sometimes it's different combinations. Like like you said, maybe Ringo hadn't shown up yet or, you know, John was still having his hand a heroin hangover or something and so you'd hear like stripped down versions of some of the songs i actually um had my first orchestra rehearsal since covid uh, in december um the rooms yeah, it's big but it's not that big so like none of the woodwinds were there i guess they told them to stay home there were a few horns but we're sitting there we're playing like a symphony you know first we did like it was a piano concerto so there's a piano that's fine it's right fine, but we were doing dvorak's ninth symphony and it kept being where there'd be a big build-up and then nothing because it goes into a wind corral. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it's like really weird sounding. So you too. count measures. Yeah, yeah. There was a big build, especially once there's a big build up in the wind corral. So everyone's just kind of standing around for 20 seconds <laughs> doing nothing, even though we're still technically playing Eight, the song. Two, three, four, nine, two, three. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but um, hope, hope, yeah. We were supposed Wait. to have another one last week, but uh, Omicron, so I guess we're not. Yeah. Well, you know, and and getting back to Billy Preston for a second. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, it was just amazing. Uh, how, you know, you di you didn't see all the hours that were getting logged in, but it seemed like he just sat down, and those were the parts that he just came up with. The movie you know? does make it look like that. <laughs> it's magic. Yeah, like it's all magical. Well, they got the whole premonition because they got the whole band like you know like glowing over the fender roads and like yeah but we don't really have anyone like who can really do this justice you know and then right. billy magically walks in yeah and then john wants to put him in the band and then george is like yeah why don't we get dylan too <laughs> well he i guess he he tabled that idea for two decades yeah <laughs> yeah if you know i i did feel sorry for for george because they did treat him like a redheaded stepchild. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, him playing, uh, there's that scene where he, he's playing I Me Mine for, for John for the first time. And he, he goes through it and John just goes, have you ever heard this band? And walks away. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, it's uh, a good song. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think that I think that one actually didn't even get recorded until Lena was long gone. It was like a year later. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, because I think that's considered to be the last Beatles session uh, for I Me Mine a year later. Because it only had, and, and actually, uh, on most things that George did, John never played on. Yeah, yeah. And, and even the finished version of I Me Mine is, I think they just looped it. Like, you basically Yeah, they the did, because they only had the one verse. Yeah. <laughs> so, so in that one, maybe the orchestration makes more sense. But <laughs> You know, he redeemed himself on Abbey Road with having the two singles. Yeah. Some, something and Here Comes the Sun. But for me, I, I probably can't name five Harrison songs that I actually liked. <laughs> well, he did a uh, year after he had All Things Must Pass, which people yeah. love. I'm going to, okay, I, I guess we're all allowed to like crap on Spectre now anyway. So uh-huh. I. I don't like his production on All Things Must Pass. <laughs> no, I, you know, I thought Phil had his his period in the early 60s. Yeah. And he made some great records. Yeah. But his time, you know, he, he just had that little moment. He wasn't able to. He just tried to make everything like he was still working with the, the Ronettes or something. Mm-hmm. Although I will give that Ramones album he did was pretty cool. <laughs> I like I that one, but it, so. okay. Um, but yeah, all things must pass. I was listening to it on a train a few days ago. I was like, man, I would like this a lot better with some, I don't know, some more, some more close miking. Maybe mm-hmm. <laughs> it just sounds. It's very carnivorous sounding. Like right. Yeah. Can yeah, cavernous, not carnivorous. Um, yes. <laughs> but yeah, it's just it sounds like where you're in a big echoey warehouse, and I don't like that sound. I guess you know, I like. It, it, tight close mic sounds Uh, his solo record did better than any of their other any of the other three solo records yeah yeah and i I don't get it because you know i didn't hear much on on the record that i really was like wow that was great i didn't hear another something or here comes the sun on there yeah yeah you got my sweet lord but you got sued for that but (laughs) yeah yeah, and you know you could you couldn't even possibly see the Beatles doing that song. <laughs> you know, yeah. I couldn't even really see them do "All Things Must Pass." You know, they <clears throat> kind of attempt it, but of course, McCartney's first solo was quite spotty, uh, kind of intentionally so. But uh... yeah, I think that was, you know, who knows? I don't know what his thinking was then. Well, he's in a Scottish shed, basically, apparently. Making yeah. It. So, which I, I, I certainly appreciate that. And it does have some cool songs on it. Uh, but Lennon's first solo album is great, but it's kind of hard to listen to. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, you know, it's therapy. It's got primal screaming, but... Um, right. I think uh, I found out that's definitely one of the guitar riffs that my hand just, like, unconsciously plays when I'm holding a guitar. Huh. <laughs> I'd play it, but I can't. I gotta hold this microphone. <laughs> um, yeah, I, um, there was something else I was thinking in there too, and I can't remember. I mean, there's just so so much stuff in that whole movie. The flower pot thing was was pretty incredible. Oh yeah, yeah, that was definitely weird. I I, I almost felt wrong listening to that. <laughs> You you almost do because <laughs> you know it, it's they're actually being real with one another, right? And so. you know I'm sure most of the time I think they were anyway, but you can't accuse them of of playing to the camera or or shielding from the camera. That was a true that was a moment, right? But um, yeah, in general, especially as it goes on, I think they did kind of forget the camera was there some of the time. So <laughs> I guess you're always yeah. like a little conscious that, you know, I, you're, I guess you're, I mean, you know, it's like probably when I do these podcasts, I don't pick my I try not to pick my nose too much. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Even though Wait a minute, these are only audio, right? I post them to YouTube unless someone tells me not to. Oh, <laughs> you can tell me not to if you want. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I I just put them there because that's how some people like to do podcasts. I've never watched yeah. one myself. If I did, I probably wouldn't do it. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't I don't like this. <laughs> yeah, I'm just just dipping my toe into that because all my other ones were on Twitch. Mm, okay. And yeah. 
That's just not my audience there. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, I don't actually don't know what Twitch is. Cause uh, yeah, I make myself sound a little old too. Okay, I don't know what the Tic Tac is. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I I I don't. So that's actually true. <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess we'll, we'll just uh, wrap up with expanding the scope. Uh, for you, what what is the prime Beatles stuff? Got a favorite the, album period? Oh, Revolver. Yeah, okay, I can't argue Rubber too hard Soul with and Revolver. I was not I was not a huge fan of them when they first came out. I mean, I cuz yeah, I was already I was 10 when they did Ed Sullivan, but I was already listening to jazz even though I didn't know what what I was listening to. <laughs> and I really liked the fact that they were having fun. That's the, that's the one thing I remember because I'd seen clips of like Coltrane and Miles at Newport Jazz Festival and stuff and but when I saw them there was like they were smiling and <laughs> moving around a little bit I was like wow they're having a good time now, you know that wasn't that was my uh, unconscious um, or subconscious takeaway from that but when I heard Rubber Soul I was like oh this is something different yeah, it's kind of so what that, my dad was, said too. I think he he got on a little earlier. He got on the well, Beatles '65 because it's the American album. So, <laughs> but um, yeah, for me, the first four albums are just like I mean, they're not bad at all, of course, but they don't really do it for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I get it now because you know here you've got a group that had multiple singers. They wrote their own songs, which was definitely different back then um for bands so um you know i i got the allure of all that but it was when when rubber soul came out and then revolver um those two records just kind of summed them up to me yeah there's there's so much about the mixes as well um rubber soul for example um you know you know i would have heard it well we did have the american lp but yeah the, the so original cd stereo. yeah it was and it was a different stereo mix right and then finally put the mono mix and, and the mono has the 65 stereo i'm like the 65 stereo is way better same with the birds uh i got these uh reissues of the birds which has the the 60s mono mixes and uh, stereo mixes both actually but the, the 60s stereo mixes are so much better it's like uh, i i I guess it's that thing where you start doing it digitally and you like kind of copy like an echo and it starts to sound a little plastic, like yeah, plastic well, in a bad way. Sergeant Peppers was the first stereo record they did. Right. They right. mixed. They mixed everything in mono. Yeah, yeah. And, well, even Sergeant were, Peppers was left to the engineers. I, I think the Beatles. I, right. I, told, they, I think they, it took a White Album before think, they bothered. <laughs> yeah, and actually, I think it, it was either the White Album or Abbey Road was the first stereo. Their first, you know. I mean, just the fact that they were trying to cut on eight tracks and let it be, and, you know, EMI wouldn't let them have an eight-track machine. <laughs> it's like, you're kidding. This is your biggest selling group, and you won't even let them use eight tracks? Well, I heard so explain, they, like, they, they get the machine, then they have to send it up north to, you know, have to the to the lab to have the white coats take it apart, figure out everything about it, put it back together give all the technical specifications and then send it back to Abbey Road. Whereas, you know, Trident Studio had that thing up six months ago. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I forgot if it, who it was, George or somebody said, you know, you're not going to get an eight track. They won't even they won't even give us a Fender amp. <laughs> oh, they had lots of Fender amps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they, they they had to pay for them. Right. Offender didn't give it to him. Okay, I know. Vo well, Vox gave him all the amps. I know. <laughs> you, you know, as a as a little aside, um, our our driver in Europe, the Manchester guy, I was telling you about earlier. He um, he was part of when the Beatles uh, estate or or whatever when they sold off all the equipment, and they bought a lot of these amps, and none of them worked. And they were like, oh, you know, this sucks. Well, come to find out, all the tubes had pills, acid, pot. 
That's what they used to, they would, that's how they would sneak stuff into the country where they were going. They would hide them in the tubes and then they'd have a fresh pack of tubes to change before the gigs. <laughs> I, I guess that's cunning. <laughs> <laughs> it worked. <laughs> yeah. Apparently. <laughs> well, most of the time. I Maybe, maybe McCartney had stopped doing that by 1980. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't yeah, know. He, he, t he talks about that experience in his book too. Yeah. <laughs> my, um, I guess my favorite period, I, I've, I've always been enraptured by the, the psychedelic stuff. So obviously that stuff caught my eye, but it's switched. I've kind of switched more into a white album mode of thought, I guess, uh, over the past several years. Really? <laughs> yeah. So, um, what, I don't know. I, the, what is it about that album that appeals to you the most? Again, the, the splintering. I, I, cause rubber soul revolver, they have lots of variation. Um, but they, you know, they're, they're very much of a piece. And I actually kind of like the splintery nature of the white album. I think, you know, maybe the Rishikesh vibe goes through a lot of the songs. So that's kind of cool. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Um, I, I just, you know, that would have been a, you know, I have to agree with George Martin on that. That could have been a stupendous uh, single record. Yeah, yeah. But I like the, the insane sprawl sometimes, you know, like who's yeah, well, got Zen arcades or their and that's punk the rock thing. version. If, if anybody could get, excuse me, if anybody could get away with any of that, it, it was them. In Rubber Soul, there is one thing that just bugs me about the album, because I do listen to straight through. Yeah, you won't see me. Oh, does that, the, does that, the tempo change? Won't, yeah, just the whole song they, they, slows down as it goes. At the end, it, yeah, it's it's a it's another take. Yeah, and it just drives me insane when I hear yeah. that song because the I, whole I, time it's slowly slowing down. Maybe they're on downers that day. I don't know. Yeah. Because, no. <laughs> but to speak of how good they were, that's the only time I can think of something like that really bothering me. So, <laughs> yeah. And there are a lot of songs where they took use multiple takes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But that one just, uh, just, it's like, it's like a yeah. truck uh, oh, yeah. with the no, brakes you, on. It, it's definitely, um, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, sometimes a casual listener doesn't hear it, but if you point it out to them, they'll never, <laughs> they'll never unhear it. Right. Uh, like I said, I'm not so much into the early stuff, but what I do like is actually that ridiculous capital mono pressing on Meet the Beatles. That, you know, it's nicely distilled collection. I, I actually like the weird sound of the American mix, which they put out on CD about 15 years ago. So, yeah. Because you know, I got the I got the those 2009 you know mono ones right next to me in that box, right. but I never listened to those. I just listened to the the weird sounding Meet the Beatles. Oh, <laughs> huh. yeah. And I get around I, to it. I don't think I have Meet the Beatles on CD. I know I have With. Mm -hmm. yeah, with know. and Meet are very different. And then yes. the the capital adds that reverb, which I actually kind of like. I, I think a lot of people say, you know, it's like, oh, well, that's not the pure thing but that's not what they created but i'm like yeah i kind of do like that version <laughs> sometimes weird yeah. mistakes work out yeah well and there was different um you know just different approaches to how things get done back then yeah american you know, revolver is terrible by ripping out three linen tracks but <laughs> yeah <laughs> now yesterday and today is not bad but uh yeah <laughs> Yeah, uh, no, not having. I'm only sleeping, which. Was, but but I have found great. sometimes, you know, like the Hey Jude collection or yesterday today. Sometimes it is fun just to like kind of throw them in a different order and see how it plays. Yeah. <laughs> and with CD and MP3s, you can do that. Back in vinyl age, when that was all you could get, that's oh yeah, horrible. All you could do was go. I'll move to track five here. <laughs> yeah, now it's just kind of like oh yeah, it's kind of fun to hear the variations. Um. I guess we'll pull this one into the park. Does that make? I never know what I'm supposed to say there, but uh, huh. yeah, we've mentioned your podcast before. You got got anything else cooking? Um, trying to finish this record. <laughs> I'm, I'm 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 really close. Yeah, I've got two two other things that are going to be done in March. Two major things that are going to be done in March. So um, that puts me like right at mix. All right. 
Yeah, it's like I, I got a friend that actually the guy right one of the guys that writes lyrics for me. He's been writing a book for like eight years. <laughs> like it, wow. he has a complete manuscript. Like it's not like the writer that doesn't write something, but it's right. like he keeps changing the whole thing. I'm like just just finish it and go to the next one, man. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he's trying. You know, he's trying to send out the literary agents. So I guess he feels right. he needs to just refine the same text. But uh, yeah, does he want to? Yeah. Does he want to be a paperback writer? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm telling you. you. Should do the paperback writer cranks one out every week, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I can't write at all, though. I mean, I can write, but I can't write like stories. <laughs> so yeah, I at one point I wanted to be a writer. I had three things I wanted to be: a writer, a comedian, and a musician. And I figured in music I could do all three. Yeah, I don't know some com- Yeah, I guess if the comedians doing the music, it sometimes seems a little lamer. Yeah, like unless that. you're like Victor Borger or something. Right. No, I was just thinking of that Bill Hicks album where he just really wanted to put his music on. Oh. <laughs> Which, it, it's, I mean, it's not bad. It's just, it just sounds like guys kind of jamming around, and then there's, right. like, fantastic comedy in between that. So, <laughs> <laughs> so and Bill Hicks hates I'm like, okay, I see he was he, he he was doing some music. He really wanted to put on his album. I get it. But, yeah, it's not. Yeah, I guess musician is the, the best place to get to all three of those things. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Um, as for this one, it's oral hygiene. It's oral hygiene pod on Twitter. It's on Facebook. Um, on Patreon, we are under the podcasting umbrella of Podcastio Podcastius. We have Matt and Luke <laughs> Sci-Fi Sanctuary. Where we talk about sci-fi films. Um, Time enough podcast. I do the Twilight Zone, and then if you're into video games, there's Monster Mash for the Monster Hunter fan, and Luke loves Pokemon for folks into that sort of thing all right i guess it's time to get back to where you once belonged (laughs) it sounds that way did you advance the film strip are you on the final page well done